centuries, mankind has been fascinated with realms outside of our conscious awareness. Through a series of interviews with practitioners, guest speakers, and experts, Liberate the podcast covers all that and more, from health and holistic healing to the supernatural. We aim to educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest that's going to be joining us as a pretty regular um, collaborative partnership at Liberate Hollywood for many different classes and workshops. She's doing her national best, uh, book tour right now. Uh, so she's been in and around um, and she will be doing workshops. She's a shaman. She's going to share a lot of knowledge and insight on a whole bunch of shamanistic uh, traditions and many different things today. Well, I mean, well, you know how these podcasts go. We never know where they're going to go, but I'm sure they're going to go somewhere amazing. So thank you, Erica, for joining us today. Um, can we share a little bit about you? Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, so my, my background, um, I have uh, 20 years of experience and training as a curandera. And a curandera, it's, it's uh, you know, you can say it's a shaman. It's a Latin American shamanic healer. And um, very, it's a very dynamic, uh, eclectic practice, I should say. We drawn from a lot of different traditions, um, Spanish traditions and Christian beliefs, and we drawn some Caribbean, um, some Africans, just various different traditions. But our roots, our principal roots, are from the indigenous peoples of the Americas. Okay. A lot of ceremonies, the traditions and practices come from that. So um, that's a little. Yeah. Were you going to say something? <laughs> yeah. No, um, I was actually going to backtrack a little because uh, even though it's becoming more of a common term and a word that's used that people are knowing a little bit more about, what do you use to describe sh sh uh, a shaman and what is that? What is a better descriptor for maybe people that don't know as much about it? And of course, you know, your particular because then there's a whole range of different types of shamans, like, you know, you're drawing from all these different cultures. So what does that mean for you? And what does that term mean in general? Well, for me personally, it means it's something completely Western constructed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually um, Merced Elliott, uh, who's a ritual theoretician. He's the one who popularized it. Okay. And then it became, you know, it was it was something that we people, us Westerners, have said, okay, you're a shaman, you're a shaman, you're a shaman, this is a shaman. And, you know, but at the same time, though, there's um, there's people, there's us who have, we have appropriated it. You know, yeah. we're like, okay, yes, we'll take that. So in my book, as I say, because um, for us, like it, and when I describe for a lot of the, the, the shamans, um, in, in my book, in their practices that they had, their limpia practices, their, mm -hmm. their, their cleansing practices, I basically say, okay, look, when I know the name of that specialty that they practice in, I indicate the name of, the, of whatever kind of shaman they were. Okay. But when I don't know the specific trade, I call them a shaman, and I define shaman specifically. because I all, And I also recognize the limitations. I say, I know that it has been used, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, there's been a lot of back and forth. 
Yeah. A lot of people have said, you know, that 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 term is not appropriate to describe indigenous peoples mm-hmm. because it essentially um, essentializes them. It reduces them. You know, it's having them as like a it reduces them to this picture of this noble savage yeah. that they they have this understanding that they can, you know, so they, they basically say it, it's not appropriate. But I say, OK, look, you know, the way I see it, the way I'm going to take that term and appropriate it, because it's it's, it's so common now that. A lot of what a lot of the materials that we have to you know to look at to say to call him a priest they're not really a priest because that that has that has its own all, all its yeah. own little things right going on so I'd say the way I would define shaman is someone who engages in rituals that are very collective that can cleanse the mind the body the spirit and also revitalize us as well and also that we work and that we can see generally um beyond what meets the eye yes in different dimensions and realities mm-hmm. and that's that's essentially how i define it okay um you know and that's and that's basically because it's, it's very it's very construct it's a very much a constructed term yeah you know, so, and, and because yeah. it's a constructed term and because there's uh, so much variation on it. You know, you have people that, you know, go down and uh, spend a few weeks working with some plant medicine. They come back into the United States and because they smuggled some back in or whatnot and they administer a ritual, they're like, oh, you know, I'm a shaman. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> and then and then you have, you know, the the true uh, natives that from different uh, cultures and different um, traditions that, you know, they even though they have 50 years of experience, they still don't call themselves a shaman, you know. And yeah. so so you have this like huge variance. And so I thought that it was really important to take a moment to, you know, kind of get us on a neutral ground for understanding for our viewers of like, this is what you're talking about when we state these types of, uh, you know, traditions and rituals and cleansing practices and uh so people can have a better understanding of the authenticity of you and the integrity that lies behind it you know yes honestly it took me 18 years to identify myself as a curandera because i think it was a lot a big part of it was like i always felt like i was a mentee because as a curandera you, there's no certificate that you get as a curandera that, like, you know, officially a curandera, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't take a weekend course and say, you are certified. Go out there. <laughs> it's, it's, it, was always, it was always, like, something that I was always in training. Yeah. And, and I still identify myself because even, even though I am teaching things, my, my students, so I'm just, I know they teach me as well, right? So I'm always yeah, in process course. and training. But it wasn't until I was in 18 years afterwards, until I had actually one of my mentors look at me like, honey, <laughs> I think it's time to come out of the closet now. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, but I was like, I, I was like, oh my goodness. And, and you know, because there's also a lot into, and a lot is tied into, especially coming from the background that, because it's so indigenously rooted mm-hmm. and there's a lot of still a lot of discrimination, a lot of belittling of the indigenous peoples. Like, you know, even in, in, in Mexico, for example, like we have we have Diego Rivera where they have these all these, you know, beautiful murals with indigenous people. They have them painted up. But 
you see in the communities, they are not living well. Mm, yeah. They are not living well. And, and it's, you know, and, and even growing up, you know, even growing up, I remember crossing the border because I lived in um, Juarez. Um, I, you know, I lived in Juarez for about eight years. And, and I remember crossing the borders and I always saw what um, there were indigenous people, the Taramaras, Taramaran people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I remember my family, um, I remember one of my, like my aunt's family friends, and this is, and they, they were like, oh, don't give them money. You know, don't, don't, don't encourage that, you know, because I, I, I offered them a job and they didn't even want to work. Wow. You know, it was, it was seeing, like seeing, and you see these things growing up as a child that like, it, there's still a lot of idiosyncrasies that it's still, you know, and it's very interesting because even people who I work with, who I know they've worked with shaman, I know they've worked with other curanderas and curanderas, they don't identify themselves as a curandera or mm-hmm. a curandero. Yes. You know, even that, it's just intertwined with all these different um, paradoxes and idiosyncrasies that eventually you have to heal all those things. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yes, this is who I am. This is this is who I've been practicing. This is who, and I'm going to own it. It's part of my culture. You yeah. know, and I say, I'm, and I'm cool with it. I just say, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> call me and I'll be there. <laughs> Lean on me. <laughs> oh. So what do I, what would you say, like, so eight, 18 years before uh, you identified and kind of came out of the closet <laughs> in that sense, um, and, you know, but your, your background, you have, uh, you've, you've, you have a master's in religious studies, right? And uh, you're also a coach and, and a healer. And so, like, what got you down the journey? How did you even, like, you know, what was it that called you into, you know, this line of work? And what was your story? Oh, goodness. You know, it was, it's been, it's been a process. It's, it's been something that's been, like, happening, like, unraveling, like, the universe. I feel like, you know, it's really interesting, the fate, you know, there's a part of me that says, like, is there fate? Or am I creating it? The free will? So it's that. Oh, that my God. Yeah. That, dance, doo, 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 you know? doo, doo, doo. that wonderful dance, right? Because I I really feel that, um, you know, because I come from a long line of curanderas. My great-great-grandmother was a curandera. My, oh, wow. And she was very well known. She was very, like, she was, she actually, she actually, in the during the Mexican Revolution, she owned a, a saloon. She was one of the few women that was, she was a business person, you know, her and her own saloon. And she was a curandera. And wow. you did not mess with that woman. Wow. <laughs> you know, and um, my, my great-grandmother, who I actually was very fortunate to be around till I was about, yeah, till I moved out here, um, she also was a curandera. She used to heal with cooking. She did, she did healing work with cooking and divination work with cooking, too. Beautiful. And I grew up seeing that. And, um, and then it was very interesting. My grandmother, she actually um, became a nurse. So she started becoming more Western and then my mom was the first one to go to college. So it was, it was like seeing that, that shift in my family, Mm -hmm. you know, like that more, like it was like that, the, the, that culture was still there. Those stories were still there, but it was like something of yesterday. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like we still had the plants. We still knew about the plants. We still use the yerba buena. We used to use the, the, the mint, the, uh, you know, the manzanilla, the chamomile, like different, we had knowledge of it, we still use them, but it wasn't as 
as it was as strong when my great great grandmother when you know as yeah as those traditions they were more like stories right and it was like oh but now that was who we were back then got you but it still calls me and 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 I remember growing up with that because my father passed away when I was very young so I was very much with my great grandmother so I was very much around that mm-hmm. you know I was very much involved in that and I saw that growing up yeah. you know I saw those traditions so I was very much exposed to that and it was very much dear to my heart I was doing limpias when I was already five like I already was pulling out herbs and working with things and <laughs> of course you, know? you were it's in your and, blood <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it wasn't until until I, I got to to college because I, I I came here to LA and I got cut away from my culture and then I came here and I learned that it was bad to speak Spanish. Hmm. You weren't supposed to speak. It was now it's more it's more accepted. Yeah. Now they have schools where they it's like oh you know it's bilingual and yeah, yeah. They teach well. Yeah. And when I came, it was very much still like no, you know like I I remember getting hit with a ruler on my back one time because I I couldn't understand the lesson because they were speaking in English and I looked up like what is going on you know like Aww. I don't understand what's going on you know and I I remember seeing, you know, it's like, okay, my culture is bad. There's something wrong with me, hmm. you know, and I, I kind of had a little bit, of, I had a lot of that. And then, um, then finally in college, I, I got exposed to some really progressive Chicano study professors and, um, they let me study alongside economic globalization, curanderismo. So I was seeing, I was talking about, you know, studying economic globalization, how it was affecting people on a small scale, you know, how it was affecting people like, healing methods and it, it gave me an opportunity to study about those traditions again mm-hmm. and but at the same time my awakening happening with social justice interesting it was very like because i it was very interesting like seeing um a lot of a lot of like you know i came at a time where it was a hunger strike at ucla where we were trying to i didn't get i wasn't involved in it because i went there after the hunger strike happened, but we didn't get the Chicano study departments until after. So okay. it was very much, they had a center at the time for the Chicano study center, Chicano study center, but um, it wasn't there. It wasn't present there. Okay. So when I got there, the, the feeling of social justice and it's like, Hey, there's so many of us. We want to study our culture. Yeah, of course. You know, we want to study our history and we had to, to have a strike so we can have that happen. You know, at UCLA, when there's so many of us here, yeah. You know, now it's it's now because of the all the work that was done. Now it's like, yeah, they have degrees where they're recognizing that, and you know, uh, now that's more accepted. But when I was in school, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So I very much was in that, and then um, it was very much a turn where I I was seeing a lot of the things that I was like, my eyes were very much open, and I was seeing a lot of the social injustices that were going on. Mm-hmm. Just all all the different things, and then um, and then I you know I I decided okay I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to law school and become an attorney, and I'm gonna save the world. And I was very much well not save. I was you you are well, saving the world. Yeah, <laughs> and you're doing it from a better stance than attorneys. No attorneys that are listening, but you know instead yeah. of just going back and forth fighting for you know yeah. you're, you're actually yeah. healing and transforming the individual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, and I was very much involved in like, like thinking the civil rights and I got very much swept up in that sentiment. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so my second year in law school, I got pulled in. I, the universe had something completely planned differently for me. And I met my, my first two set of mentors and I met this other gentleman who had this property who he just had it sitting there. And I, I, I just was like, Hey, you know, I have, I'm in law school and I, I know some people that would want to rent your property. How about I help you, you know, um, to rent that out. And that commission paid for my way until I could afford to, to go there to get my men mentorship. And wow. I did that for seven years. I, I continued mentoring my first, that was my first mentorship period. And then, um, and then I was working this dual life where I was a mentee. And I was taking all kinds of other classes here in the States and I was still mentoring there. And um, then I had a catastrophic injury in 2005 hmm. where I fell off a cliff. I woke up, I was airlifted. I had a skull fracture, a brain hemorrhage, left AC dislocated, two vertebrae in my back fractured. I completely shattered my coccyx. Left leg, I fractured it in three places. Right leg, knee down, all of my bones shattered, came out of my heel. Wait, 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 how did you fall off of this cliff? <laughs> I didn't, um, I did this really intense um, journey. I did some journey work. Okay. And I had a time slip. Ah. I didn't, and I didn't ground myself after okay. that. I, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm going to miss my, because I was in Vegas. I was oh, at Red Rock. And I, and I didn't ground myself and I just, like was like the bunny and you know Alice and uh, the little bunny and Alice in Wonderland and running around like I'm gonna miss my butt and I did, I fell off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're in the hospital. You have every injury known to man. I mean, <laughs> you're you know, and I mean I I'm, I'm laughing now because I look at you and it looks like you're doing okay. There yeah. might be some yeah. residual injuries yeah. that you're still coping with. Um, no. But okay, so now you now you're 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 in the hospital. You realize that you know, of course, you're missing your flight, and you have a lot of healing to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, well, keep on going. I know you're sharing what that was for you. It's a turning point. So, um, and they also told me that they were gonna. Six weeks later, I got severe osteomyelitis. They told me they were gonna amputate my foot. All this, all this craziness. You know, wow. sorry, you know, your coccyx is shattered. We can't do anything about that. You're going to be in pain the rest of your life. Um, yeah, and you got severe osteomyelitis. You lost half the bones in your right ankle. Wow. Uh, you're not going to be able to walk again normally. And if you do, if you, because it was still a question mark. They yeah. weren't sure I was going to be able to walk. It's going to be with some kind of assistance, you know. Wow. And one of the, the, the decisions I made was, and this is something that's very common in the curanderismo tradition, is to, it's called, the word is called the don, and okay. it's a gift of healing. Okay. And I truly, in my heart, believe that we all have that gift. Yeah. It's just, it's just latent in us. Mm -hmm. I, I tapped into my gift, and I embraced my gift, because it was, it was just something that I, I, I just said, okay, either I'm going to do this and apply everything that I learned, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be in pain the rest of my life, and I'm not going to be able to walk. So, I was basically forced to slow down and long story short, after not walking for almost a year, I was in a wheelchair for almost a year, by the way, I was in a wheelchair. After not walking for almost a year, I walked with a completely normal gait in less than two weeks. But in that year, 
I applied everything that I learned from my first seven years of mentorship. And I put everything into practice. I worked with all the herbs. I worked, one of my mentors, uh, she was a sobadera, which is somebody that works with their hands. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's similar, you can kind of think of it like acupressure, but like with less, like as a shaman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> so she, so I knew how to work with acupre, uh, acupressure points in my body. So my body didn't, it wouldn't go in, my muscles wouldn't go into atrophy. Mm-hmm. And I knew how to go, to go into a journey, to take myself into a journey, how to work with different um, plans, how to do limpias, how to do cleanses. And I did all those things on myself. And, you know, I, by the grace of all that is wonderful, I, I walked with a completely normal gait in less than two weeks. Wow. And then, yeah, and then... Um, well, it, it was almost like it was your schooling or training ground to allow you to excel in almost your testing period of like, okay, you learned yeah. all of this. You've been being infused since you were five, playing with different herbs. Um, your doctors are saying you're probably not going to walk and you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life. Are you going to conquer what the, they say and you're going to use what you've learned? and try it out so that you can master and teach others or are you going to suffer and you know and you passed and learned and evolved and now now (laughs) you can take all of that but I mean sometimes we can't know until you know that's what I'm constantly working on with people is that you don't know sometimes your biggest tragedies are truly truly your biggest gifts Because they will set us on a different course. They will teach us so much. They will empower us or allow us to master the things that we must, you know? Definitely. And, uh, you know, that's that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then after, but the thing is, I was was still really stubborn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I was so stubborn. I was, I was stubborn. I was, you know, it, it, it. I, you know, I still was like, well, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. Cause I, I still, I, I didn't realize it, but look, looking back, I still had a mindset where it's like, well, no, I can't be a good on that up. You know, that's, that's something I just like to do. You know, <laughs> I still need to finish law school. <laughs> no. uh, well, yeah. And I was already, and I was already practicing law at the time, okay. you know? And, um, but it was really interesting because during that time, um, I, you know, when I, when there are times that I did cry, the only time I cried was because thinking that I had to go back to work as an attorney, mm-hmm. not because I, I was like injured. <laughs> That's when you know, those are like the red <laughs> flashing signs that are so obvious. They're like, well, every part of you hates this and dislikes it, but yet you're still forcing yourself. And when you do this, it's pure joy and love and bliss and you feel energized. Hmm. Let's keep on yeah. doing the thing that we dislike, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was still, you know, pretty stubborn because I was very much for, for many different reasons. Right. So at that time, um, I went and I went back to, I actually went before my last sur after my last surgery, after my last surgery, I went to, um, another part of the Yucatan a little further South and I met my second set of mentors. Okay. And, um, and during that time I, I was, it was, a, it was a beautiful experience and I, I was also getting the calling to understand the ancient traditions. Okay. 
because I, I knew that a lot of the attrition and, and I knew this in my heart because I remembered a lot of the things. And, the, you know, I was, was very much intuitive when I would go and I would leave a candle for an offering or I would leave water. I would leave certain things or I would design certain things. It was very intuitive. Okay. You know, my, men, my mentors taught me a lot about the methodologies, and but I didn't know a lot of the things to really, I didn't know what questions to ask a lot of the times that would elicit the answers that would explain mm. to me the beliefs and traditions of of the indigenous peoples of my history, you know? So I, I decided it's like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm just kind of, I don't know what, what I don't, I don't want to keep practicing law. So I'm just going to give grad school a try. I'm going to go back to school <laughs> and see what happens, you know? So I went back and, um, and it was, I had a, it was a really, be- that part was a very interesting experience because it was, I had a soul retrieval experience during that okay. time, many, because I was going back and I was reading a lot of the ethno-historical records and, and I was like, oh my God, that's why I do this. Oh my God. It was just all these aha moments. Yeah. And I was like, I was getting pieces back of myself, mm-hmm. you know, not just from this lifetime, but from many, Yeah. you know, it's like, oh my God. Oh, that's, oh, you know, it's, but at the same time I realized it's like, I didn't want to study the curanderas or the shamans. I am that. Mm. you know it was beautiful. like you and it because it, also during this time I was practicing too because I started actually practicing but I didn't identify myself as a curandera mm-hmm. you know I d- identified myself as an alchemist a spiritual alchemist you know as a healer I, I wasn't I wasn't really sure and there were times when I didn't feel comfortable with like how do I identify myself you know yeah. how do I <laughs> all these labels I was like I don't like these labels you know um <laughs> uh, and, you know, but it wasn't until I had that really like that connection after 18 years that I was mm-hmm. like, this is who I am. I just really just like, this is home. Because mm-hmm. like, I, I, I just had this really beautiful experience where just I called myself a curandara and that felt like home to me. Yeah. And that goes with, you know, one of the things that you'll be teaching in the workshop is, you know, the power of the spoken word and intention. You know, and so when you call that into being and existence, that even though you were prior when you spoke it, you really embodied it. It glue, right? It, it, you know, you glowed more with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's a little bit, it was, it's been a, like, it's been a process. It's been a very um, jagged, bumpy, idiosyncratic, paradoxical road. <laughs> As it all is, but that's the beautiful, that's the beauty of it. And I think when people hear your story and the different, you know, it's very seldom and anywhere do people take a straight line to something, you know, like we live in this beautiful journey called life. And when we think that we're going one way, sometimes we get flown the other direction only to do the zigzag path that when we look up and we say, oh, it's the perfect path, you know, um, And so that, that's, that's beautiful. I like the, I like the, I, I, I love hearing the, the challenge and acceptance and the different courses that, that you went on and the trials and tribulations that, you know, and even the injuries, you know, because that all, that all makes this, you know, I mean, I, there's a lot of people that I meet over the years and, you know, to find people that are truly in their, authenticity and just embodying and have shed away 
what that tells me is you've shed away so many layers of the ego. There, it's not there, you know, and you're allowing yourself, this is, this is who I am, you know, and the, that little residual of how to identify myself was probably the breaking point of like throwing that away, you know, the rest of that ego. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's, it's, yeah, and I, I feel that it's, it's also, it's also good to, you know, when I, when I do share too, because um, a lot of people when they, they do come, they, they, and I'm sure you get this too, is that it's like, how do they make the transition to people that want to do this work too? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, how, it's like, you know, when I share that, it's how the process for me, you know, yeah. because sometimes that's what it is. It's a process. And many times that's exactly what it is. It's a process. And, and sometimes that's what it is financially, too. Of course. Yeah. You know, because I had the reality um, back way back when that I had 150000 in student loans from mm -hmm. law school. Just law school. Yeah. You know, almost that. Almost that. Now they're gone, by the way. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Which is really ironic. I, you know, I paid that off like a while back as a curandera. You know, I was like working with this, but, but doing a bunch of other things. But it wasn't like... It wasn't like, it was like, okay, I'm, I am no longer this. Now I'm this. Yeah. It doesn't, in, in the real world, it's just, you know, you have mortgage, you have, some people have children. They, it's one of those things. It's like, you have to be diligent. You have to be disciplined and you have to be like focused. And that's what it was. It was like a process. It's like, okay, when I decided, when I, when I got out of school, I was like, okay, now what? I didn't, I know I didn't want to be a professor. It's like, okay, when I, I still have a mortgage, I still have my, my loans, I have all these things. It's like, all right, I'm going to go back, I'm going to do the attorney thing, but this time I'm going to do social justice issues. And I did that, and then I said, you know what, I didn't want to just give people money. So it was like, okay, let me start just doing contract work. I started doing executive coaching. It was like, it was, and then working as a Quran that I was like, but it was a process. Yeah. And it was a beautiful process where I was honoring that. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. And some people, some people can be like, it's a shift, not always. And sometimes it's, it's, it's that's what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, the cake doesn't bake just with mixing the ingredients. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a process to it, right? You know, and, and, and there's, there's a joy about that process, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, you know, that I, do you practice law still? No, no you know, I, I have, I have people that come to me all the time though, and they, are going through divorces or they're going through through things or so you still help out they're with doing it, business but... and they I know things yeah. so I those things come into play yeah you know my, my trainee is an executive coach as a mediator um, comes into play mm -hmm. you know I'm actually getting I actually got an offer to it's really interesting it's a it's a course at a Cal State that, that, that I've been offered to teach on conflict resolution shamanism and conflict resolution that's the same. You know, the, I love that that's even being offered at Cal State LA, you know? <laughs> right. It's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's actually, it's actually going to be, it's, I'm not sure it's, it's how it's going to look, but they're, they're thinking about it and they're approaching me about it. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, that sounds great. It's, it's, I always say that all those things, I never look back and say, oh, I never needed that. Why did I even do that? Yeah. You know, because I had I had one client who is going through something that's going through divorce, and I could say, "Honey, this is how long it's going to take realistically." Yeah. So you know, this is what it's going to be. I can kind of like tell them a little bit about it without being the attorney, you know, or anything yeah. like that. And those things always come into play. Exactly. Always come into play, and 
And it's a way of doing it that holds space as a healer, as a shaman, as seeing is clearing that energy for them. And because we live in the real world and in the real world, we, we need a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, and it's beautiful that you're grounded within that practicality too, you know, and that you can understand what, what on the physical plane it takes to operate. Cause I think a lot of people get caught up so much in the esoteric world and that other dimensions that it's like, okay, well there's, there's still like, we're living in this linear form still. So, um, we can't just be like, okay, and manifest and you know, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to quit my job and I'm going to get a million dollars tomorrow. It's like, oh, well, you know, all of that is possible, but let's also work on like creating, you know, achievable, realistic expectations to set you up because the journey is also very important. Like, of course you could have stopped just like that and went into, you know, and, and, and let go of law right away. But there was also maybe learning and the people that you did help and the cases and the clients that you did take on, but also there was a part of you that is still a part of you. So it's almost like le- weaning that off and expanding, you know, it was part of your journey too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was really interesting. It was at, towards the very end that I felt like I made peace with the the, the career as an attorney. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, like it was like one of those things. Like I actually, I actually was okay with it. Like at the end, I was like, okay, it was. And then I was because I was also missing meeting a lot of other attorneys who were who were also very much um, on a new front. Mm-hmm. You know, also wanting to to do more mediation kind of things, to do more conflict resolution, um, more progressive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they have all kinds of different names for them, but I was meeting a lot of them and it was, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't go back to that. I'm very happy where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but you need, you know, going from, you know, dreading going back to doing yes. law to having a peace and actually, uh, you know, it's almost like you had that closure. It's like a relationship, right? You know, like when yeah. you're breaking up, like, okay, if it's just cut off and you don't get that closure and it didn't like kind of have that healing meant to it, people have more jagged or views in one way or another. But if you can have that time where you like, okay, well, I've kind of let go when I feel at peace and I'm comfortable and they're comfortable that we're no longer together, then it it, it doesn't have a charge on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really nice because it's, you know, the, they also influenced me too because I, you know, I had one experience recently where I was like, I had um, a, a partner who was very upset at a divorce. You know, she was mm-hmm. ready to get a divorce, and 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 the, it was very charged. Mm-hmm. And I was helping her clear that energy as a shaman, but I and I was using the practicality of laws. Like, okay, well, you know what though, honey, you're entitled to spousal support. It's not about like, you know, f him. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's your, it's something that's going to help you transition. You know, you're entitled to it. You know, you're a mother. So it's looking at it from a point of view of hoping to heal. Yeah. So there's not that charge of that anger. It's not coming mm-hmm. from a space of like, oh, I'm going to stick it to them. And, and it's like, you know, it wasn't, so I was like, Tom's like, you know, cause she was like, oh, well, we're going to win. It's like, no, honey, nobody wins yeah. when it's a divorce. Nobody yeah. wins. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like change, change, like shifting that dynamic and, and it's 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 um it's a beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful experience of bringing all those things and I've healed with them they've healed with me and they're still part of my my little curandera handbag. <laughs> uh-huh. 
So what kind of things when people come to do uh, private sessions with you? You know, you're talking a lot about clearing, and I know that, you know, on the 28th, you'll be doing a little, the, your book signing and lecture and talking about clearing. Um, and then uh, on the 30th, going through a whole bunch of different, you know, whole workshop of stuff. But like, I would, I would love people to know, like, what can they expect uh, from you, you know, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, as I, as we started out so many different traditions and ways, but like, how do you, how do you work with clients and what do you work on most of the time? So, um, so a typical session is basically, you know, we start out with what's called a, a, a platica. So it's a heart straightening talk. Okay. Right. And that comes from the tradition. It's, it's understanding that, and this is something that goes way back to the ancient. They, they had, and I talk about this too in, in, in my book, um, Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, where I talk about it, where they had state ceremonies where people would go out and release, because it was believed that with talks you released energy. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, and it's I feel that. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you release energy. So it's, it's one of those things that it, it also helps me to navigate where we're going to journey to and what needs to be done. Okay. You know, cause, and then sometimes that's what the, the platica, that's what it is. It's like that story just needs to be released. And that it, they basically, if all they want to do, that's that's what, what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. You know, depending on, I, I, I try to integrate also some energy clearing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so then I have them, depending on what they need, I'll do specific other kinds of limpias. And it also depends, too, if, if I'm seeing them in person or remotely, too, right? Okay. Um, so for example, if they're in person, I might go get, um, an herb and, and cleanse them with an herb. I may get them with an egg because sometimes I get specifically, I do egg limpias when I feel that something's attached to them. Mm-hmm. And that's where like the egg becomes like dark in the inside, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's just something that I just get that sense that there's something there's just, whether it's just an energy, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not necessarily like an entity. It's just maybe it's just energy that's just not theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's just not theirs. That um, and that they're, you know, because sometimes people with fibromyalgia that happens too. People yeah. that are like constantly exhausted that something's sucking at their energy. Yeah. You know, so I I, I do an egg name before and that that gets it out and then um, afterwards we'll do on a journey. We'll go on a journey where there'll be other energetic clearings you know so um the the limpias can happen in many different ways i may work with um herbs with herbs um i will bring in herbs and and flowers as well flowers if they're asking for abundance if they've had Mm. money issues interesting or if they want abundance flowers are very much or like if they if they want joy too you know if there's some kind of like joy if there's money issues i i bring in flowers Mm. A certain particular type of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, roses are really good. Are really good. Uh, roses are really good for love. Mm, beautiful. You know, especially when it's when it's something that they want to attract in love. Yes. Um, like with when it when it comes to uh, when it comes to money, there's honeysuckles. I'll prepare tea for them. Mm. You know, if I have honeysuckles growing. Um, so depending on that, um, 
And then if it's, if it's uh, like some other like energetic clearing, mm-hmm. like if it's just energy that like they just like feel like they just have like energy, like heavy energy on them, mm-hmm. then I'll use rosemary. Rosemary, mm-hmm. I'll use rue. Um, it just depends. I'll cleanse them with that. And we'll then go, I will then go and clear them with, um, with, with either Florida water. I'll run a feather fan through them and over their body and then we'll do some some clearing energetically hmm. you know where I will do a journey and see what is going on you know I will, I will journey and see what's going on where they're at because they also may have uh, they also may need some soul retrieval too yeah you know where they maybe they gave away their power that happens a lot or they something's missing something's gone <laughs> yeah absolutely so um, yeah, so it just it it depends on what what they need and um, and then depending on if they're asking a question because the tools are also divinatory in practice as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like for example, the um, like if I do a, a cleansing with uh, with a puro, which is a cigar. Okay. You know, um, if I cleanse someone with a cigar, the way that the puro is burning. It will tell me, you know, if it's like burning underneath, it's like something that's going on that they didn't know about. If it's burning to the right or to the left, you know, uh. it's, it's, it's depending on how it's burning. If there's holes, you know, burning inside, I put some cinnamon on it. It will tell me if they've integrated because what I, what I feel is that no one can ever do anything to us mm-hmm. unless we allow it. Yes, of course. And, you know. Unless we allow it, mm-hmm. and if there's a hole burning in there, some that tells me that they've allowed some someone to do something to them. Yeah, that they gave their power away, and somehow that that person energetically or something got in. Mm. So then I put some cinnamon on to clear it. Then I'll come. I'll, I'll continue. You know, blowing the puro, the, the the cigar over their body, mm-hmm. and and until the puro is burning straight, like just completely even. Then that's that usually will tell me that okay that that it's it's good the energy has been cleared, you know. Okay. But it has it has to burn evenly because you know you want that that cigar just to burn nice nice and evenly. Um, you yeah, sometimes so, have to go through a couple cigars on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Or sometimes, um, like I'll do I'll do a, what's called a, a white fire limpia. Okay. And what it is, it's it's a pot, mm-hmm. and it's a pot that is used that you. And one thing too in all of these things, um, that that goes back to the indigenous tradition. Yeah. That all the tools you use, whether you want to call it shamanic or curanderismo tradition, all the tools that are used are only used for the rite for that ceremony. Mm. You never use that glass for drinking from, or that oh, yeah. plate to eat on, or or you know like. The pot to cook from <laughs> well yeah especially if it's pulling in like you know all of that negative energy and then oh well let me eat that nope <laughs> exactly exactly you know and and it's also understood that those tools they also have a soul essence energy hmm. that yeah. they also have a sacred energy of, of their own mm-hmm. um oh did i lose you no i'm still here okay okay um okay so, uh, <laughs> so, um, it stopped for a second. So the, they have their, their own sacred essence energy. So, um, 
what I'll do with it with the white fire olympia mm -hmm. is I will get a couple handfuls of Epsom salt. I'll get a splash of every alcohol and I'll give them some some herbs or flowers to work on, depending on whatever issue is going on. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I will I will put a I will put a match in it so it'll start burning. And then I'll have them um, say a prayer. I'll say whatever, you know, say whatever it is that they have, whatever it is that their intention was that they're releasing. Mm -hmm. You know, I have them write it down. They, they put that that paper into the fire and they start making offerings of flowers or resin into the fire. And that helps transmute the energy. Mm. And then after when that is done, I put water in the pot. Okay. And let it sit for about five or ten minutes. And then after I dump it out, and depending on how much residue there is on there, and I can read afterwards what it looks like, it will tell me how much of it was cleared. And it's usually always, I mean, it is spot on. Wow. <laughs> like spot on, you know, like it's just... Because all the tools that are always used are always divinatory in nature. They can mm -hmm. tell you this still needs to be done. Yeah. And it's not it's not one of those things where, you know, and I always want to express this too in, in the cleansing and the limpias, it's never about um, like if you use a candle and, it, for example, it turns black, mm -hmm. you know, after you said a prayer and like after it's all, all done and the glass itself turns black, it's not that the, it's not that it's, it's blocked. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not going to happen. It's that the person needs to do more work. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, like, there's there's a process to everything, right? You know, if you're telling your story, you were in a wheelchair for a year. Yes, when you were ready, it only took two weeks from that point to be able to walk normal. But you had a year of a process. If you would have started to get out of that wheelchair at six months, you wouldn't have, you know, like, and so there, there needed to be time for you to heal in the way that you needed to and then to move forward, right? And so sometimes people want things right now, right now, bring in my lover, make me like have this new career, do these things, whatever the case may be, shift or heal this dynamic that I'm suffering from. But there, there's a process to it. There's like an onion that needs to be peeled. And sometimes you just crack it open and it's ready, you know, if the person's ready, but it depends when they're coming to you, right? You know, and where they're at. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Magical. So you do all of these different tools. You also, you know, are, you know, very much um, taking in a lot of the life experience and coaching and understanding of of uh, the human condition from all of your different studies and and uh, mentors and also the religious studies and whatnot. And so you kind of bring this all in. And you give somebody a, a very much a transformational experience. And now you're taking that and applying that into this book. Now, I, I noticed that on the information that I had, we had your books that got, came to our store. Um, in, but then I had noticed that the release date was 5-10-2019. Is it 5-10-2018? No, that's actually the second book. Oh, the second book coming out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Amazing. So you've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, working on the third book right now. <laughs> oh, awesome. So then, wait, wait, you know, so de definitely, oh, great. So we'll have you for a few book signings and book tours. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Please. <laughs> Where can people find you? Um, they can find me at realizeyourbliss.com. Okay. 
Beautiful. Yeah. And of course, at Liberate Hollywood on the 28th for a free talk and the 30th is going to be a workshop. And then you're doing a monthly uh, series and residency with us starting in January. Uh, yeah. So for at least four months there. So we'll have you around there. And I'm sure that I know that you do some other things, some of the other places and uh, um, centers and around town as well. Um, if you had to leave every anybody with something, what would you leave them with? And if I could leave them with something, with some, some bit of knowledge, wisdom, what would you leave them with? Go with your feelings. Go with what you feel is good for you. That's just, you know, it, it's that simple. It's that simple. Mm. Keep it simple. Keep it light. Keep it simple. Keep it light. I love that. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> it's been such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person on the 28th. And um, yeah, till then. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For those that are tuning in, um, please uh, leave a feedback and review. Um, if you could do a, a written comment, it just helps people find us a little bit more. Feel free to share this video with uh, your friends. and. You know, contact Erica directly or come to Liberate Hollywood and meet her. Thank you so much. Thank you.